guys. Hi. How <laughs> are you? This is our second doing? attempt at this. <laughs> we tried to go hello and we goofed it. I goofed it so bad. And that's oh my okay. god. You love it. <laughs> I I have no I have no cold opening right now. I don't have a bit planned in my brain. I'm just like I'm like wild and poem. ready to go. Your poem? I already forgot it. The one You're... I just said. <laughs> What? Remember that poem I just made about the cottage cheese? Oh, the cottage cheese. How did I start that? Oh, oh, oh. I have corn cabbage in my cottage. <laughs> cheese. That's my poem. You're that welcome. reminds me of like a Wallace and Gromit bit. <laughs> Thank like, you. We're the TikTok sound that's like, come on, uh, come on we have to hide the body. There's no cheese in crackers in prison, Gromit. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that our energy, though? Oh, my God. Yeah, it really is. We were Who's who? Man. Mm-hmm. Are you the dog, or am I... Uh, I think I'm going to be the old man. You're the old man, and I'm the dog? Yeah. Woof. Big, <laughs> big barker over I can there. Because I have a love of air buddies. Aww. You're like a golden retriever, though. Thank you. You definitely have golden retriever energy. Thank you. I I actually agree. I think like I think I'm like one of the air buds. Yes. Like oh my god. I I haven't um, seen Spooky Buddies yet. It's been October for a little bit, and I haven't it. seen it. You have to. I think I already watched it this year. You got it for me I, on like DVD, didn't I you? I think I have it. I know. <laughs> I'm literally like telling you. Oh, I haven't used the present you got. I haven't me. used the gift. We watched it that one time. I think when who was over. Was it was it? your friend Nadia. Nadia. Wasn't I can't remember if it was Nadia or Caitlin, but yeah. I think, yeah, I think it was Nadia. That was so fun. Oh my Love god. You, Nadia. I need to rewatch it. <laughs> yes. I really want to watch you I rem- I was reminded of this because you said like the cottage cheese thing when we were talking about the TikTok sound. Mm-hmm. I really want to watch Wallace and Gromit and the Curse of the Were Rabbit. Have yes, you seen that before? I have. It's so cute. I oh haven't watched that in years though. I know it's been like maybe like ten years. Oh. Not gonna lie. I don't I barely remember. I'm trying to remember if it's on anything. I haven't seen it on anything, but like someone's gotta have it, right? I, I really want to see it. Maybe maybe we'll watch that after oh, this. We gotta bring them <laughs> maybe all next up. week. Maybe next maybe week. Maybe next too. week. We, the world's our oyster, you know? It really is. I uh, I just love, like, claymation stuff like that. So it's just, like, super fun. It's just, like, cozy. I feel like it also reminds me of, like, Santa Claus coming to town. Just that old, like, warm, cozy feeling. <laughs> what I need. We're, we're fully talking about Halloween. You wrapped it around and brought it to Christmas you time. You said claymation. I said Santa Claus come to town. Tell, tell, tell our listeners about your tattoo you got today. <gasps> Your Christmas tattoo. Okay, so first off, I'll start off this little story by saying I planned to get this one tattoo, like, back in, uh, what was it? The beginning of August. And so I got this really cool artist. And so I had one tattoo planned, and then she was going to rework it so it was, like, within an affordable range for me. And then (laughs) it got to, like, I think it was yesterday, and I was worried because I was afraid, like, I wouldn't like it or something, and, like, I was just panicking, and so I was like, oh. <laughs> Wait, that's why you changed it? I thought it was because, yeah. like... Yeah, well, also, I didn't get it in time, but oh. I'm just more of a panic-type person. You're like, I don't want this on my body <laughs> I forever. I said, oh, God, I'm scared. So I was like, well, Winnie the Pooh I've always loved, and I have a bunch of Winnie the Pooh tattoos saved because I'm me, so <laughs> I sent her one, and then I got there today... And she was like, oh, just so you know, we might have to crop this because the details will get lost if we do this on your body in, like, this small shape. So then I got a Winnie the Pooh Christmas tattoo mm-hmm. instead. And I thought of it in the moment. And I it's love it. It's really cute. <laughs> Thank you. You need to get a Halloween tattoo, too. I know. I want to get a ghost. Oh. I really want to get a ghost. Yeah. That'd be so cute. I want, we should get tattooed ghost. Like, we get ghosts. we get matching mystery files tattoos yes. on our bodies. But if we get ghosts, it's kind of like subtle. What if we get our like Instagram user name? We get them on like our feet or like somewhere weird. I have like I have like a tattoo on my back when I'm going swimming. I like pull off my shirt and it says at the mystery files underscore. Ew. Imagine it's like along your spine. Ew, like vertically <laughs> up like a straight line vertical up your back. Like you have to tilt your head to Ew. look at the username. You know, I'll follow at the mystery files. <laughs> underscore on IG. It's like, no, oh absolutely God. not. That'd be so funny. I wonder if anyone's ever tattooed a social media handle uh, to their body. They I, would have had to I'm by sure now. I'm sure someone out there has. I, I would do it. You would? I, I would do it. I don't know if maybe. I would. I would do it for the Mystery Files. That's how much I believe in us. <laughs> I get a ghost and they go, what's the ghost stand for? And I go, at the Mystery Files underscore. That's all I say. That's all you say and you I walk go, away. I go, IG. Speaking of which, if you want to follow us on Instagram at the mystery files underscore, we'd love to hear from you. Since I've said it about a billion times, you might as well follow us. Yes. Yes. (laughs) All right. No tattoo here. (laughs) So, last week, we had your case, which Which was, was, do you remember? I almost said Marilyn Manson. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Marilyn Monroe. It was Charles Manson and the Manson murder family mystery, yeah. all that stuff. Which, that was, like, a really interesting case. That was, <laughs> that was so fun. Oh, my gosh. Also, the noise outside gave me a heart attack. The little motorcycle. The motorcycle. But, yes, last this week. This Mr. Charles awesome. coming for us. He said, Charles, that get episode, back in the grave. Mm-mm. Go back to the grave, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wanted in my house, you cult leader. Come back next Halloween. <laughs> next Halloween. <laughs> but, no. yeah, that one, that one was really interesting. Like, oh. I didn't know a lot of, like, the stuff. I, like, went home, yes, like, that day. Mm-hmm. And I, like, talked to my roommates. I was like, did y'all know about this? And they were like, not really. And I was like, huh, See, that's right. how I felt. I felt like I had, like, the baseline of, like, everything that happened, but I had, like, nothing else. Yeah. And I was like, I was glad to, like, get deep into it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And I'm excited to see where you take it this week because yeah. you said it's something familiar that I might know. I, I like know. I like the direction we've been taking uh, this season. I think we've done a lot more, like, true crime stuff. And it's been kind yeah. of fun to, like, get back into that. I really liked that we were doing cryptids and supernaturals because I think that is our thing. But yes. I, I, I like shaking it up for our audience. Yeah, never know what's coming next. It's exactly. kind of good. <laughs> All right. So are you oh. ready to hear about this week's case? Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Course, I'm so course. excited for this one. You want your little drum roll? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, here. I'm ready. Why did I have to, like, clear my throat, too? Okay, you ready? <laughs> okay. This week on the Mystery Files, we will be covering the Great Train Robbery of 1963. I have no idea what that is, so I'm excited to learn. You're like, yeah, you might know this. I don't. I don't think I. Well, know I this. said like you Do may I? know it because I did that Gardner theft case about oh, all the paintings that were sold. Oh, okay. I've been wanting to do a theft and robbery case for like six months again. Oh, like I've been wanting yes. to do another one because I know. like they're just so like crazy. I almost said fun, <laughs> but they're I like they kind are. Of fun. Like what's really happening? They this... shouldn't be making that stuff that expensive anyway. You know. This, I, I don't know how this got by me. I've done so much research. Every week I've been like, I'm going to, this is the week I'm going to do the robbery episode. And I could mm-hmm. not find anything that had enough information to even warrant an episode. Yeah. But I just somehow stumbled upon this one and I was like, how did I never find this before? Yeah. And why haven't we done this? This is amazing. I love when cases are like that. They kind of just like stumble into your lap and you're like, you yeah. exist. Like, why have I not found you when I've looked for you before? It's perfect. But yeah. All right, so we're going to go through a whole lot of stuff. We're going to be talking about the planning of the robbery, how it went down on the actual train, Mm. the stopping of the train, like how they took the money, the getaway, the... The drama that unfolded inside of it. Oh, perfect. I want the drama. And the kooky, spooky names of all of the people who were involved. Yay, kooky, spooky names. (laughs) Heck yeah. All right. So, to give a little summary, the Great Train Robbery was the robbery of $2.6 million from a Royal Mail train heading from Glasgow to London on the West Coast Mainline in the early hours of August 8th, 1963, at the Predicio Railway Bridge, Ledburn near Mentmore in Buckinghamshire in England. So this was an Ooh. England train that was going through on its way to London. Should we be talking in accents for this episode? <laughs> Do we have time. any UK fans? I don't I know. So. How you doing, babes? I don't think that's the proper accent. It's more of an Essex kind of I, deal. I don't know how people know the difference between what kind of accent a British accent is. Honestly, I only know because of RuPaul's Drag Race United Kingdom edition. Wow. That's fair. That's, that's where fair. I get that's where I get my knowledge, to be I honest. I love that for you, love. I can try to do the accent as much as I can, but I'd love to hear the rest of the story. <laughs> All right, so after tampering with the line side signals to bring the train to a halt, a gang of 15 led by a Bruce Reynolds attacked the train. Um, and then, as well as uh, three men that were only known by the numbers 1, 2, and 3, to oh. who of termed out to be um, Harry Smith and Danny Pembroke. And there was a 16th man who was involved in the case who was a retired train driver. Ooh. And he was also present during the robbery. I love that they have, like, their names were, like, numbers. It sounds like stranger right? things. Imagine they oh, have, like, yeah, tattoos. Oh, yeah, it kind of like, does. <laughs> yeah, so with careful planning based on inside information from an individual known as the Ulster Man, named as named Patrick McKenna in 2014, the robbers escaped with over $2.6 million, which is the equivalent in 2019 of $55 million because of um, inflation. So the bulk of the stolen money was never recovered, though the gang did not use, this is the crazy part, the Mm -hmm. gang did not use any firearms 
to they only used one single metal bar to knock out the train conductor wow so there was like no heavy weaponry involved for this robbery you're telling me i could have done this <laughs> i could have I, easily... I didn't think we'd be getting into that quick but when i picked this i was like there's gonna be a bit where me and tiffany are on a train and we're robbing it i just I mean, know <laughs> i would be like a kind robber i like i need to pay off my student loans okay just give me like a couple thousand what if what if like we robbed the polar express stop it <laughs> give me all your hot chocolate not the children oh my gosh we'll just we can just rob the hot chocolate guys <laughs> take me to santa take me to santa <laughs> santa's like mm, i don't know if you're very good i don't know all right so <laughs> we're going to get into the planning process Ooh. so the plan to intercept and rob the overnight glasgow to london mail train was based on information from an unnamed senior security officer within royal mail who had detailed knowledge of the amounts of money that was carried on the train he was introduced to two of the criminals who would carry out the raid gordon goody and buster edwards <laughs> by a london solicitor's clerk brian field so this this uh security officer was like hey there's gonna be this train that's gonna have like 2.6 million dollars on it like wow. i don't know if you want to do anything with that but like uh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> like like just like yes. tipping them off i kind of hope like tom hanks is that guy i'm kind of imagining now this is the polar express but not at all <laughs> so he's the guy i'm thinking of he's the guy he's the guy <laughs> So the raid was devised over a period of months by a core team, which was Goody and Edwards, along with Bruce Reynolds and Charlie Wilson, with Reynolds assuming the role of the mastermind. Mm. This gang, although very successful in the criminal world, had virtually no experience in stopping and robbing trains. I just like that that's a resume thing they had yeah, to point out. No was experience. Like, oh, can you just imagine you're like going for a drink in an underground bar? <laughs> Uh -huh. And you're like, you're like, oh, you've never robbed a train before. What kind of, what kind of criminals are you? You don't have any experience <laughs> robbing a train. Mm, I don't know if you're the one for that job. Disgusting. <laughs> As if like anyone who's ever done something like that hasn't done it once in the first place to get the experience. Like there's always a first time for something. Yeah. I don't know. So in order to help rob the train, this group agreed upon enlisting the help of another London gang called the South Coast Raiders. Oh, wow. it sounds like a football team. They made yeah, it kind of does. It does. It, it kind of does. Like they literally made an alliance with another gang. Wow. <laughs> steal this money. So we got the South Side Serpents and No, literally that's what I was thinking like very like Riverdale like Yeah, very Riverdale. Uh... <laughs> Biker gang-esque. It's perfect. Oh my or we God. can be the two opposing gangs, and we're like, hey, yeah. let's go rob a well, train. <laughs> well, apparently, the reason why they got them is because <laughs> oh, no. they are, quote, this is this is what the script says in the quotes. It is, they were already accomplished uh, <laughs> uh -huh. accomplished train robbers. Wow. That's so, all I need. So their resume already had a few train robberies, so they recruited them to help. They're just so accomplished in their robbings of trains. Right. I love that for them. They're doing great. Yeah, they also in this group was a man named Ro uh, Roger Cordray, who was a man who specializes in the field and knew how to rig trackside signals to stop the train. Oh. So he knows how to like rig train systems as well. They enlisted oh. a lot of people. That's who a pretty knew good thing to have because if you get them isolated, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like it's just crazy. So the entire group altogether consists of 16 men. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into it like a little later, but each man, man, man each men had a nickname for themselves, like a code name Ooh. for the robbery. So they didn't go like Bruce didn't go by Bruce Reynolds man. or anything Bruce like Reynolds. that. He's like, Bruce Reynolds, get over here. Yeah, they had some, three. they had some quirky names and I'm very excited. That's what I love. I need that. All right. So I'm going to find a new nickname for you. <laughs> So now we're going to be talking about the Royal Mail train itself. So at 1850, on Wednesday, August 7th, 1963, the traveling post office train set off from Glasgow Central Station en route to Euston Station in London. It was scheduled to arrive at Euston at 4, four o'clock in the morning. The train was hauled by English Electric Type 4, which is later classed as like a Class 40, which is a diesel electric locomotive. 
Um, the train consisted of 12 carriages and carried 72 post office staff who sorted mail during the journey. They're just trying their best. Which I didn't even, like, realize that, that, like, people had to sort mail while, like, being on a train. Like, that's stressful. Do you think people do that in the back of, like, a UPS truck? They're, like, sorting, like, That's probably, like, around. the down and dirty stuff, like, mm-hmm. sorting all that stuff out. But that would be awful. Can you imagine sorting to, le- like, letters to Grandma? All day. All and the night. letters to Santa. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. <laughs> so the mail was loaded onto the train at Glasgow during additional station stops and route, and from lineside collection points where local post office staff would hang mail sacks on elevated trackside hooks that were caught by nets deployed by the onboard staff. Sorted mail on the train could be dropped off at the same time. This process of exchange allowed mail to be distributed locally without delaying the train with unnecessary stops. One of the carriages involved in the robbery is preserved at the Nini Valley Railway, actually, Mm. which is, like, really, really cool. Nini Valley. All right, so let's see here. Oh, so in the second carriage, behind the engine was known as the HVP, which is in, which is an, uh... What's the word? An acronym for the the high value packages, coach. The so basically, they had an entire cart dedicated to like all the expensive stuff. Oh, so it's a target. Which, basically, it's basically a target. Which I, I think, in retrospect, is not a great idea. No, like it's not a great idea to put all of your eggs in one basket. No, specifically on a train. It's basically, too. like, hey, here's all the expensive monies. Yeah. Like, take it. Oh my god. Oh no. So this recommend uh so this recommendation was implemented in nineteen sixty one, but HVP carriages actually did not have alarms inside of them Why? whenever they would be on the trains. Uh they should have. Yeah. Could have saved a lot. <laughs> so um Did people put their money there as well, or it was just the expensive so, items? <laughs> what was it like just the was it money and expensive items or just all of the expensive items money and spent? expensive items so okay. anything that was a high value item uh oh. they don't really say how much it had to be over but i'm assuming anything over probably like honestly like maybe a thousand dollars i would wow. say it was like a high value item oh my god like they were like this needs to be put in here because it's like you know if they're shipping like fine china or mm-hmm. you know like money or just things like, like all that expensive yeah, so, so funny enough, that I think this happens with all the cases that we do. Of course. But there's just an irony to oh, these no. situations. So in August of 1963, HV carriages were actually equipped with alarms finally, and they had bars over the windows and bolts that were catched onto the door so you couldn't open them during a robbery on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, however, during uh-huh. this specific transit... This reserve carriage that had the lockdown stuff yeah. was out of service, of which it means was. that they had to take the high value items uh. into a regular carriage for this specific trip. Oh my gosh! At that rate, I would probably just try to find like a very secure like security person and be like, mm-hmm. "Okay, your job for this whole ride is to watch all the expensive stuff." That's a good point. But then again, you can just take that guy out. And I guess they just did stuff. not want to like do any more with it they said ah no one's gonna think about it they said mm. i don't know that just doesn't that just doesn't seem like a thing i want to be doing today <laughs> oh no <laughs> all right and then they were a target mm-hmm. yes i just thought that was so so funny all right so now we're going to be getting into how they stopped the train Ooh. so just after oh, three o'clock true. on august 8th the driver 50 58 year old jack mills from crew stopped the train on the West Coast mainline at a red signal light at Sears Crossing in Leadburn between Lighton Buzzard and Cheddington. The signal had been tampered with by the robbers that they had covered the green light and connected a battery to power the red light. Oh, gosh. Which means the locomotive's second crew member, known as the second man, was 26-year-old David Whittleby, also from crew, as a signal stop was un- unexpected at this time and place, would be climbed down from the cab to call the signal man from a lineside telephone, only to find the cables of the phone had been cut. Oh, no. As he returned to the train, he was overpowered by one of the robbers. 
Meanwhile, gang members entered the engine cabin from both sides, and as Mills grappled with one of the robbers, he was struck behind with a metal bar that rendered him semi-conscious. Oh my god! So they didn't fully even knock out this guy. He was just kind of put in a place where, like, he couldn't really stop them. Yeah. Which... Well, how's he gonna take on two whole gangs? Yeah, two whole gangs consisting uh, of 16 men. In this 12-carriage train. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this was ever made into a movie, because I feel like that It was. Was What is it called? It's called The Great Train Robbery. Oh, I was going to say, this is so visual. I haven't seen the movie. Yeah, it's an actual movie that came out. I mean, good. (laughs) No, it is. It's, like, really interesting, and that's why I was so interested in doing this case. It's just they have so many pieces put together in the right places. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to be like, oh, crime is good because it's not. But it's like almost like gold star and like that. Like they really thought about it. And as long as no one died, like I'm all for it. (laughs) You hear that? I'm for robbery. Commit as much crime as you want as long as you don't kill anyone. (laughs) And like, I don't know. If someone has enough money, they're not going to miss a couple of Murder's off the table. Murder's off the table. Murder's off the table. But steal from as many trains as you like. But steal if the people have more money. Yeah, so, yeah, I I just, that's just so wild to me. It just makes me think about, um, like, how they probably had to be at that very specific location for a long period of time to, like, cut those wires, put in Mm -hmm. the new battery to make it turn red. Like, that's genius They were, like, scoping out, making plans. I feel like, honestly, this would be a better bet than, like, going to, like, a bank and robbing it. Oh, yeah, or, like, a museum, too. Yeah, like, this is, like, a much smarter mm -hmm. way to do it. Get the people isolated. Well, the thing is, you're in, like, the middle of nowhere, too. Yeah. Like, there's not civilization really around you. This like when you're cool. on a train, right? Ah. Yeah, so the robbers now had to move the train to the Brigio Bridge, mm-hmm. now known as the Metmore Bridge, approximately half a mile further along the track where they planned to unload the money. One of the robbers had spent spent months befriending the railway staff and familiarizing oh. himself with the layout and operation of the trains and carriages. He became friends with the guy. Can you imagine feeling so betrayed? Like, I you're like, like I really like that guy. I thought we were close, but guess not. Like, you're just, like, spilling all these secrets to him. Oh, my gosh. Uh, ultimately, though, it was decided that it would be better to use the experienced train driver to move the locomotive in the first two carriages from the signals to the bridge after uncoupling the carriages containing the rest of the sorters and the ordinary mail. Mm. So basically, the uh, <laughs> the <laughs> HVP cart is mm-hmm. in the front of the train. So all they really needed is that cart. So they could just let go of those 46 employees <gasps> in there, let them hang out, and move it down the track to pick oh, out the money. Oh, no. Which, which is also crazy to me because it's also this mantra of no one has to get hurt almost. Yeah, you know, I'm it was like, like so kind. we don't need these people like here, like so kind. <laughs> yeah, well, like not killing people just to kill people. No, like, yeah. It's actively just, choosing not to. It's just so interesting to me, like how much they thought about what we need to do to get through this plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So on that night, the gang's hired train driver, an acquaintance of Ronnie B- Briggs, later referenced as Stan Agate, or <laughs> quote-unquote Peter, wow. was unable what to operate name. this newer type of locomotive. Drat. <laughs> <laughs> Although having driven trains for many years, he was by then retired and was experienced in only on shunting locomotives on the southern region. I don't even know what shunting means. Hold on. Shunting. In railway operations, is the process of sorting items of rolling stock into complete trains or the reverse. Cool. I know the medical term shunt. What what is it? I don't remember. But I know it's a medical term. <laughs> You're like, term. I know it. From I know Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> uh, I'm so we're so far into that show, it's bad. My god. We're still trekking. I think we're on like four. Hopefully they'll or have 15. an episode where they have to fix someone on a train. Like, stop this train. It ha- hasn't happened yet in the episodes I've seen. There's been a lot. Maybe it'll happen in the new season. You're right for it. Wow. Hey. All right, so with no alternative available to them, it was quickly decided that Mills would have to move the train to the stopping point near the bridge, which Mm. was indicated by a white sheet stretched between poles on the track. 
Biggs' oh. only task was to supervise Agate's participation in the robbery. And when it became obvious that Agate was not able to drive the train, he and Biggs were sent to the waiting truck to help load the mailbags. I feel like the white sheet just reminds me of like someone like hanging their laundry out. Oh my god! <laughs> like oh, they're just doing laundry. Ha ha ha! Can you imagine being like a, a civilian <laughs> near there, being like, oh, they're just hanging oh. up their ra- laundry. There's that's like, so nice. I know this wasn't any violent stuff, but like imagine there's like crazy gunshots and like all uh, they see uh, is like the, the sheet. There's like, like there's like, there's like bullet holes laundry. in like the sheet, and yeah. they're like oh. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the removing of the money. Ooh, the money. <laughs> Remove the money. Remove the money. Take the money out that's of the what, bag. That's what my bank account says every time I have a bill to pay. Mm-hmm. They're like, remove the money. You go, no. The electric company said, thank you. Thank you. You know what I was thinking of earlier? What? When you mentioned there was the one guy that was like befriended the other guy. I was like, oh my gosh, this is almost exactly like um, 21 Chump Street. Oh my god, it kind of is. And then he's like, ah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the train was stopped at uh, Brigio Bridge, and the robbers' assault force attacked the high value packages carried. Frank Dewurst was in charge of the three other postal workers, Leslie Penn, Joseph Ware, and John O'Connor, in the HVP carriage. So I guess they did have people in there. Yeah. That were in charge of it, but weren't doing security or <laughs> anything. Good enough. <laughs> so Thomas Kett, assistant inspector in charge of the train from Carlisle to Houston, was also in the carriage. Mm. Dewhurst and Kett were hit with coaches when they made a vain attempt to prevent the robbers storming of the carriage. Okay, so they did try to like fight them okay, off. Okay, what's a coach? Am I? I have no idea. I think it's time for another Google. A kosher pickle. Uh, they they hit him with a pickle. They had they said, a thing of dills. They said dill. Oh my god! I looked up kosher and it says kosher foods. <laughs> kosher no, foods. That's not what I wanted. What is kosher? <laughs> that is not it. What? They go hot and spicy or what bread is and butter. A- <laughs> Choose your poison. <laughs> oh, it's a blunt weapon. <laughs> Why so, not just say blunt weapon? <laughs> yeah, literally. Or just say oh weapon. Usually made of hard rubber. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a pickle. What? <laughs> You know. Can you imagine you're just like trying to eat a pickle and it's, it's rubber? rubber? I'd be so sad. <laughs> like one of those rubber balls. That'd be an awful sensation. Oh my god. Do you think, no thanks. I'm gonna expose myself right now. Have you ever thought like those rubber balls were like candy before and you're just like Not no? to say I have. <laughs> there was this one time I bit into one because I thought it was like a jawbreaker and I was like, oh. What kind of what kind of jawbreakers you eating? I don't know. I don't know. You, you said, do, ah, it's close enough. You do silly things when you're, like, four. Was I four? I think it was more like seven, honestly. That's about right. That tracks. <laughs> I feel like four-year-old Logan wouldn't have done that. Seven-year-old, That's, that's on mine with my mental capacity. No. Oh, no. <laughs> silly thing. Oh, my God. All right, mm. so after that happened... Um, there were so apparently on the train there were no police officers or security guards on the entire train. Oh, that's a bad idea. So they idea. had no security. Why? Yeah. Well, this is like we've talked about this so so many times <laughs> on the podcast. There's so many things that could prevent most of these things from happening yeah. if they just would have taken one extra safety precaution. They went ah, safety doesn't matter. He what said, year was safety, this again? Macy. What year is this again? 1963. Yeah, 60s sucked. <laughs> they didn't care about no one in the 60s. What if, what if we have listeners from the 60s and they're like, those was my favorite I, I bet they would agree. They're probably like, no, no, she's onto something. <laughs> she's onto something. That little rat girl's got a point. <laughs> that little rat girl knows what she's talking about. Literally, they don't got nothing to, to oh make them save. Oh, my God. Then they had to live through the 70s, where they survived. All right. So after this, the staff um, was made to lie face down on the floor in a corner of the carriage, while mm. Mills and Whittaby uh, were then brought into the carriage, handcuffed together, and put down beside the staff. Oh. So the robbers removed all but eight of the 128 sacks from the HVP carriage, which they transferred in a quick time of about 15 to 20 minutes. 
to a waiting truck they had forming a human chain. So they literally had a chain of people like carrying stuff out of it, like a system in place. They're like, oh, we're totally going to get away with this. Imagine having that many criminals. They would all have to believe it was going to go okay and they wouldn't all get caught. Yeah, that's that's so trusting, too. And also just, oh, Gangs are so trusting, guys. I would love to see, like, a friend sitcom about these robbers. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were trying to say I would love to see a Friends episode. of with, with where, where they rob a train. But they're gang members. Phoebe, <laughs> Phoebe would be in a gang. 100%. I, I want to be in a gang. But like a nice gang. I also want to be in a gang. Let's but like make a nice one. one. Oh, the Mystery Files yeah, gang. That's so cute. The Mystery Gang. Oh! <laughs> Literally, um, I think that might be copyrighted. <laughs> I just don't know, though. Warner Brothers, please don't listen to this episode. <laughs> it was all Logan the Master's fault. You can find him at Beep. Oh, my god! Man, they gosh. beeped out your address. That's so mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so <laughs> the gang departed in their Austin Lodestar truck some 30 minutes after the robbery had begun. Mm-hmm. In an effort to mil- mislead any potential witnesses, they used two Land Rover vehicles, both of which which bore the res- registration plates on them. Mm. Oh, so they had... That's crazy. They also had cars that they brought like they drove them uh-huh. to another car to reload onto there See? so they couldn't track the license plate that they were prepped that's that's genius <laughs> honestly that's kind of chaotic you don't want to mess with them i think we talked about this in the gardener theft thing mm-hmm. and it was like honestly at that point take the money you deserve yeah. it you, you did a good so job much that you deserve some sort of reward <laughs> prison no that's not for you buddy no, yeah, you you did such a good job. They I'm worked, really proud of you. They worked way too hard to get there, you know? <laughs> if there was a class on like robbery, like kinda Carmen San Diego esque. Oh, they, so they would they would they would get A plus. I feel like that should definitely be a class though. Like some type of psychology class. Of robbers. Of psychology robbers, of robbers. Or like just anything. Like Ooh. That. That'd be very we're gonna make it. We're gonna do an online class. <laughs> Let us teach at Let us know if college. you would listen to an online class me and Tiffany will make about <laughs> the psyche See, of robbers. Now that literally sounds like the opening to a cult. Join our <laughs> class. And then like it's just to change young minds. I just realized our first lesson could be about Swiper the Fox. Aw, what a Aww, guy. What a nice guy. Oh. Did you hear the theory? It's literally so sad. Did you hear the theory that Dora's blind and that's why she's no. always asking, do you see it? Where no, is it that's at? Sad. I'm like, Wait. why do they have to put that in my heart? That is so sad. Oh, no. And she's it like, do you see helps. Swiper? Oh. Is it this way? Oh, my goodness. Like, that makes me sad. I know that's like totally off topic. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait a second. You must know. But good old right. Swiper. What a thief. So on to the getaway and the planned cleanup they had in mind. So the gang then headed along the minor roads, listening for police broadcasts on a VHF radio, the journey taking somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour, and they arrived back at Leather Slade Farm at around 4.30, at around the same time as the first reports of the crime were being made. Mm. Leather Slade was a rundown farm 27 miles from the crime scene between Oakley and Brill. It had been bought two months earlier as their hideout. That's oh. so cool. They have a hideout. Like, that's so cool. It's so good. Also, they bought it to do this. Two they months bought prior. it just... I mean, if you were going to steal, like... A bunch what was of it? Money. $55 million now? <laughs> they just buy a whole farm. They go, yeah, this they is our place. Like, Why not? Imagine if it fell through. They just have a yeah. farm. And they're like, okay, I don't know what to do with it now. <laughs> I just think it's so crazy. I think they timed that perfectly. Like, they knew by the time... Uh, by the time they would get to the farm, the first reports would be happening. But by wow. then, it's, like, kind of too late. Like, they already are safe. Yeah, like, they're 27 miles away from the location. And they're also in, like, I'm pretty sure this, like, little farm place was almost abandoned. So it's mm-hmm. not really necessarily a place you'd really be looking yeah. for. Like, it's not your first thought when like you're trying to track cute criminals. cute little family on a farm. <laughs> we don't want to go harm them. They're probably churning butter right now. I feel like all the bad people have a farm. Like Spawn Ranch in our last episode. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to bring that yeah. up, too. I was like, what's with all the farms uh, See, intersecting with crime? Don't trust a farmer. Don't I'll trust a farmer. I know a farmer. A farmer's listening to us right now, and they're, like, throwing their pitchfork at the wall. I can say that. I know Our faces a are in there. <laughs> no! 
I grew up on a farm. Can you imagine if all the ways we would go from filming this podcast, all the trouble we get into, what dues us in is uh, the, farmers. the farmer the bit. The farmers would definitely come after us. They'll get their pitchforks, all their stuff. They're like a mob. Yeah. <laughs> They're outside our studio, like, hey. let us in. So I know where you live. I heard it on the last episode. So, yeah. So, at the farm, they counted the proceeds and divided it into 16 full shares and several drinks, which are smaller sums of money intended for associates of the gang. The precise amounts of the split differ according to the source, but the full shares came to approximately $150,000 each, which, as of 2019, is $3 million a person. That's crazy. That is so much money. Just from one train. Literally. That's... Oh, my God. Yeah, just from one train. From one act of... That took 45 minutes to fully accomplish. Are people just more rich back then? Uh, Or all the rich people were just deciding to take this train? (laughs) Like, what the Well, it's also, like, in the United Kingdom, too. Like, they... Some of them got money. They got money. They got money. They said we got cute accents. Especially if it's in the H... HVP area in the high valuable mm-hmm. package area. Oh man. So from listening to their police tuned radio, the gang learned that the police had calculated they had gone to ground within a 30 mile radius of the crime scene rather than dispersing with their haul. This declaration was based on the information given by a witness at the crime scene who stated that a gang member had told the post office workers not to move for half an hour. Oh. Uh, The press interpreted this information as a 30-mile radius, a half-hour drive in a fast car. That's kind of smart, actually. Because they're right, because they were 27 miles from the location. So... Oh, why would you tell them that? Like, don't move for 30 minutes. Uh, oh, my God. No. At least, th- oh, my God. They were probably so mad at that guy. <laughs> like, like they have such a perfect plan in one small sentence. Yeah. Gave them a lead. Wow. They were so close. They had this all planned out, and he went, ah, just, just He said, hey, guys, you. like, I know this really sucks right now, but just don't move for, like, 30 minutes, and we'll be out of your hair. Ugh, what an like, idiot. They were like, yeah, they said only 30 minutes. So they were like, okay, perfect. Like, I would have been like, okay, 10 minutes. Wow. That is so frustrating. I bet that guy didn't have a great time after that. Yeah, so the gang realized that they were using a drag net tactic and with help from the public would probably discover the farm much sooner than they had originally anticipated. As a result, the plan for leaving the farm was brought forward to Friday from Sunday when the crime was committed on a Thursday. So they left the very next day instead oh, wow. of trying to hang out there till Sunday. I mean, I'd get out too. You're going to get yeah. caught. I mean, like, that's not a lot of time. I'd be freaking out too. I yeah. don't even know if I would want to stay there till Sunday after a crime like that. Mm-hmm. No. I guess they wouldn't want to, like, be on the run immediately because, like, they could be, like, on their coattails, but I'd be too anxious. I I'd know. be like, well, we got to go. You'd think you'd get caught any moment. <laughs> Exactly. Like, you're already on the run. You might as well keep running. Yeah. Oh, no. All right. So the vehicles they had driven to the farm could no longer be of use to them because they were seen by the train staff. Of course. So Brian Field came to the farm on Thursday to pick up his share of the loot and to take Roy James to London to find an extra vehicle. Oh, wow. Mm. So Bruce Reynolds and John Daly picked up cars, one for Jimmy White and the other for Reynolds. Daly and Biggs and the replacement train driver. So Field, his oh. wife Field, his wife Karen, and his associate Mark brought the vans and drove the remainder of the gang to Field's home to recover. That's wow. crazy. Where are they getting all these vehicles though? That's what I want to well, know. They probably what they did was I don't I don't know for sure, but they probably used some of the money from that mm-hmm. to like have this backup plan. But I'm like, wouldn't it be suspicious? People yeah. just buying a bunch of vehicles? My guess is I'm assuming that like they had a like a budget yeah. for stealing from this train, <laughs> which is so crazy to think about. Because if they're already criminals, they probably have some extra money. So they probably put rations together to literally make like a savings yeah. account for this crime. Yeah. And that's probably how they were able to buy the cars. 
that's big brain. And they also couldn't spend too much money at once because I feel like that's a red flag. Yeah, no, they like but, they would get like caught in the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I feel like if I was that car dealership, I don't even know if they had. Did they have car dealerships in 1960s oh, I think in the so. United Kingdom? Oh, I don't know. Well, probably. I don't know. I, I, I think I'm thinking like it's like it's the like 20s. the 1700s yeah. or something. They got horses. They got a, they buy a horse. Yeah. A whole, they get a horse. Can you imagine a horse-drawn train? Uh, that's bad horse-powered. Horse-powered. Literally, I don't think the horse would be able to do Unless it was like 10 horses. Oh, my God. Because trains are heavy. Also, yeah. what would be the point of a train, then? Because they're <laughs> exactly. on tracks, you goose. All right, so Field had arranged with Mark to carry out a comprehensive cleanup as well and set fire to the farm after the robbers had left, Uh. even though the robbers had already spent much time wiping the place down to be free of prints. That sucks. Like, Uh doing all that cleaning just for it to be set on fire. I set fire to To the farm. farm. (laughs) According to Buster Edwards, he, he nicked... $10,000 $10,000 in 10 shilling notes to help pay Mark's drink. However, mm-hmm. on Monday, when Charlie Wilson rang Brian Field to check whether the farm had been cleaned, he did not believe Field's assurances. He called a meeting with Edwards, Reynolds, Daly, and James, and they agreed that they needed to be sure. They called Field to a meeting on Tuesday where he was forced to admit that he had failed to torch the farm. Oh, no. In the IVS 2012 documentary film, The Great Train Robbery, Nick Reynolds, the son of Bruce Reynolds, said, the guy who was paid to basically go back to the farm and burn it down did a runner. Wilson would have killed Field there and then, but was restrained by the others. By the time they were ready to go back to the farm, however, they learned that police had found the hideout. Oh, no. So I guess that's good they cleaned for prints. I'm glad. Like, so I guess that work did not go to waste after all. I'm glad they left. Yeah. Which is just, it's so, so crazy to me that that, like, was even an option that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so. This is a portion where they talk about raising the alarm. So the robbers had cut all the telephone lines, as we mentioned before, in the vicinity. But one of the railmen left on the train at Sears Crossing caught a passing goods train to Cheddington, where he raised the alarm at around 4.20 after it happened. The first reports of the robbery were broadcast on the radio, which is how they were able to hear about how they heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh Literally, this is the quote from the first report of them stealing the train. So it's, a robbery has been committed, and you'll never believe it. Dash. (laughs) They've stolen the train! (laughs) Oh my gosh. Casually, hey, there's a robbery, and they they stole the train. Being like, guess what? You're not going to believe this. This this is the crazy part. They've stolen a train! Imagine, it's like a casual, just like, (laughs) you're not going to believe this. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. It's like slightly comedic. <laughs> Is it? We know it's crazy. Yeah. So, this is the fun part. I was excited to hear hear about. So, um, so overall in this theft, there were seventeen members. Okay. Put, uh, put all together. All those men. Um. So, because it was the sixteen of them, and then the seventeenth person was the train driver. So they like had to split the shares. Yeah. But so I think I I mentioned this in the beginning. Oh, no. For the gang, when they were to refer to each other, they gave each other nicknames instead, which I didn't even fully realize. Gangs probably do that all the time. I did not realize that's why they do nicknames. I feel like that just makes so much sense. (laughs) Yeah. So the head of the operation, Bruce Reynolds, was nicknamed Napoleon. (laughs) Wow. They said he's Napoleon. It it doesn't say what his height is, but I'm hoping he was like a short king. I and he literally just a little guy. (laughs) I'm Napoleon. What if I started calling you Napoleon? Like, hey Napoleon, what's going on? I feel like that'd be so cute. That feels like it's a good dog name. Yeah. Napoleon. We're gonna have to like figure out at the end of this who exactly we are in this. Yeah. Oh my god, we have to tag ourselves as one of the. We gang do. Members. Oh my gosh, it's like a Facebook thing. Oh, like tag yourself. Ago. Which tag person yourself. are you? Huh? Which person are you from the Great Train <laughs> Robbery of 1963? <laughs> Who are you in the Great Train Robbery? <laughs> so, oh, so he's the leader. Yeah. He's the big man, big little guy. 
Yeah, so we're going to do a, uh, I think, a flash round of their names, because there's a lot to get through. Okay. The next one is kind of boring. It's just his middle name, Gordon. Oh, okay. It's like, why would you give him, like, it sounds like he did not want to come up with a very good one. Boring. And then uh, we have Charlie and Chaz, Chaz. Buster, like Buster. the freaking dog from, uh, <laughs> from... <laughs> Oh no! My God! And then one of them just didn't have a nickname. Like he just wasn't He's good no enough name. for it. Yeah, oh this was gosh. Brian Arthur Field. Why don't they call him Fields or Arthur? Mm. King Arthur. King. 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 <gasps> King. We're so good at this. I and know. then the Ulster man, who I think we briefly mentioned before, was the organizer of this whole thing, but not the leader. He's the Tom Hanks guy. Yes. He's the guy that says Tom Hanks. Very much that. <laughs> and then there's the weasel. <laughs> ah, that's you. Ah! The weasel. <laughs> and then there's Patty. Aw. Oh, like Paddington? Aw. <laughs> like Patty. Like Patty. This is my favorite. One of my favorite oh, no. ones. <laughs> Bill Flossie Jennings. <laughs> Bill Flossie. I'm Bill Flossie Jennings. Flossie. He just like flosses a lot. The he's, dance or like yeah, like the dance. Teeth? Oh, he does both. He's like flossing and flossing. He's flossing all around. That he's, is too much. He flosses with floss. <laughs> then we also have Jimmy uh, and what a guy. Jimmy Neutron, and then <laughs> Alf Thomas. Nice. <laughs> this guy was just referred to as Bob. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Tommy, uh, my favorite. This guy's name is James Hussey, but his <laughs> name his name was Big Jim. Where did they... What was the Big correlation? Jim. Well, I think James guys go by Jim sometimes. Mm-hmm. But Big Jim. Big Jim. Who do you think you are? Who do you relate with? Huh? Who do you relate to the most Oh, here? geez. I would have to say... Think wisely, you know? Really? Oh, think wisely? Yeah. I thought you said, I'm thinking wisely. I'm like, I don't think there is a wisely. <laughs> wisely. He's my favorite. That could be a good name. Yes. I think, honestly, Buster. I kind of like Buster. Buster. I go with that name. Hmm. I kind of like a no-name guy. So mysterious. <laughs> you just are never referred to ever. Like, I like Please it. never refer to me. <laughs> you mustn't speak of her. <laughs> it's Voldemort. <gasps> oh my god. He who shall not be named. <laughs> Baldi. Alright. So we're gonna move on ahead to Ooh. the London Investigation. Mm, investigation. Investigation. Come on, Sherlock Holmes. Come on, Sherlock, <laughs> Mr. Guy. All right. So, despite the big breakthrough of the discovery of Leather Slade Farm, the investigation was not going well. The mm. London side of the investigation then continued under Detective Chief Superintendent Tommy Butler, who replaced Millen as the head of the Flying Squad shortly after Millen was promoted to a deputy commander in another area. So, on May 12th, August 1963, Butler was appointed to the head of police investigation of the London Connection and quickly formed a six-man train robbery squad. Here we go. With Leather Slade Farm finally found on the 13th of August in 1963, the day after Tommy was appointed to head the investigation, the train robbery squad descended onto the farm. And the breakthrough came when Detective Chief Superintendent Millen met a distinguished barrister in a smoking room of an an exclusive West End club. Oh, that's so cinematic. Who told him that someone was willing to inform of the gang. So there was someone that that was friends with the police officer who knew someone who knew the people who did the robbery. Oh, my God. And was willing to tip them off. (laughs) You don't want to tip them off, buddy. <laughs> they got connections in high places with lots of money. So the process of talking to the informer was handled by Haytherhill and Millen, and they never divulged the identity of the inform- informer to the detectives in their command. So the guy was like, I'm going to tell you what he told me, but his identity remains a secret. Good. Um, good on him. Oh, yeah. The empathy inside of this true crime case is just so know. beautiful. These people are so good to each other. <laughs> like, they're tipping them off, but they're going, I will not give my brother's name. Yeah. Won't do it. Yeah, so the informant had actually been jailed into prison just before the train robbery had happened, and he was mm-hmm. hoping by telling them this information, he would get early parole and favors from the police from oh, talking about gosh. it. Oh, gosh. 
So he clearly did not know all the names perfectly, and a second informant, who was a woman, was able to fill in the gaps that he wasn't able to fill in his story. So there's a woman involved. Yeah. Heck yeah, lady. Yeah. So the breakthrough with the informer came at a moment when him and his colleagues at the yard were in a state of frustration, almost approaching despair. This process saw them get 18 names to be passed on to the detectives to match up with the list being prepared from the fingerprints collected at the farm. Oh, no. Oh, no. Catherhill and Millen decided to publish photos of the wanted men, despite oh. strong protests from Tommy Butler and Frank Williams. This resulted in most of the robbers going to ground. Oh. Isn't that crazy? They should have burned it down. They... Yeah, so that oh, that's just, like, crazy to think about, because there were 17 people involved in the case, and... Um, it seems like the 18th person may have been someone who might have been a co-conspirator to it. Yeah. But from this, I'm pretty sure they were able to match up almost all the names oh. they found. Man. Like, can you believe, like, two people who were just, like, in prison were able to figure out the names of the people who were a part of this case? Oh, my gosh. They were so close, though. Yeah. So, all right. So, to move on... They basically were able to have a trial in 1964 after catching most of the people that were there. So they were able to catch 11 of the men who were a part of the case. So the 11 men were sentenced um, to prison and they agreed their sentences handed down, particularly Bill Bull and Lenny Field, who were later found not guilty of the charges against them. However, oh. the other men resented what they considered to be excessive lengths of sentences, which were longer than those given to many murderers or armed robbers. Oh, that's not fair. I, I, I understand why they'd be frustrated. They were like, we stole a bunch of money and you're mad, but when people literally die, you don't sentence them for longer? Yeah, like, like God that's forbid. not fair. Why are they being sentenced yeah. as longer, longer than people have done way worse crimes and much more yeah. violent things? So at the highest, they someone was sentenced for 30 years, and that was Biggs, the one guy from before. Oh. And then the least amount of time was uh, John Wetter, who was a solicitor of the problem, and he was sentenced for three years for aiding the crime. The engineer was sent for 24 years. Wow. So they tried to make appeals in this case, and a few of them were able to get through. Mm. However, oh, no. this is what I was going to tell you about how I said there's a true crime case inside of the true crime case. Yeah. Two of the people that were involved were able to escape prison. <gasps> yeah, that's what I want to <laughs> hear. Escapees. All right. So on August 12th, 1964, Wilson escaped from Winston Green Prison in Birmingham in under three minutes. Ooh, the escape wow. being considered unprecedented in that the three-man team had broken into the prison to extract him. His mm. escape team was never caught, and the leader, who was nicknamed Frenchie, had disappeared <laughs> from the London criminal scene by the late 1960s. Two weeks after his escape... Wilson was in Paris for plastic surgery. By November of 1965, Wilson had moved to Mexico City, visiting old friends of Bruce Reynolds and Buster Edwards. Wow. Wilson's escape was yet another dramatic twist in the train robbery saga. Wow. Wait, so it said a plastic surgeon. Was he, like, changing his he face? He changed anyway? his face so no one could figure out who he was. That's so funny. I and was then just moved to say, the States. That's such a good idea. It's genius. Wow. And and he broke out of prison in three minutes. That's the length of a song. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, that's Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jemsen. <laughs> he, was, he escaped. He said, call me maybe right out of prison. Yeah. So, 11 <laughs> oh, yes. months after Wilson's escape. Oh, here we go. In July of 1965, Biggs had also escaped Yes. Uh, Wandsworth Prison, 15 months into his sentence. A wow. furniture van was parked alongside the prison <laughs> walls, and a ladder was dropped over the 30-foot-high wall into the prison during outside exercise time. Oh, my So they were gosh. out there. No and one a thought that was suspicious. They went out. Uh -huh. They're just playing outside. Yeah. 
Yeah, so in this amount of time, it allowed four prisoners to escape, including Biggs. The escape was planned by a recently released prisoner, Paul Seaborn, with the assistance of two other two other ex-convicts who were also released. That's Ronnie so Leslie and Ronnie Black. With support from Biggs' wife. Wow. His wife got okay. these three ex-convicts to help break her husband out of jail. The dedication. That should be, like, in my vows. Benjamin, if you ever go to prison, <laughs> I'll learn to drive and... Yeah, so... Yeah, so it helped. So this allowed Biggs and his friend Eric Flower to escape. And Seaborn, unfortunately, was later caught by Butler and sentenced to four and a half years of prison. And Ronnie <laughs> Leslie received three years for being the getaway driver. Aww. However, the two other prisoners who took advantage of the Biggs' escape were captured after three months. But Biggs and Flower paid a significant sum of money to be, of course, smuggled to Paris I for plastic that. surgery. What beautiful men. Oh, my God. Beautiful. Big said he had to escape because of the length of the sentence and what he alleged to be the severity of the prison conditions. Wow. So he was probably writing to his wife about how awful it was, and that's how they were able to get out. <laughs> that's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Oh, wow. I feel like I'm just imagining the part where they're actually escaping just, like, as a black and white, like, silent film. It's like... And they have, like, the... Yeah. The nice ladder over the yeah. side and they're all climbing really fast. Exactly. It's so fun. Yeah, so to <laughs> so basically to conclude, honestly, they had a lot of stuff was going on because there's like 17 people involved in this case. So like yeah. some people were able to escape the prison, some died inside of prison, unfortunately, because of how long the sentencing was. Yeah. Some were able to get out early on parole. Um and then, like, they were actually able to recover a bit of the money that was stolen, Yay. but it was only a small amount, like 10% mm. of that, which is, but like... probably a lot more than we think it I is. I mean, that's kind of a lot if it's $55 million. That's a yeah. good point. Mm -hmm. But, but so. yeah. But, yeah, so it's kind of crazy how this whole thing kind of played out and just the amount of dramatics that went into it. I just... Yes. I, I could not believe, like, my eyes when I was reading this case. I was like, this... Is crazy. It sounds like so comedic, though. No, it literally sounds it's like so a comedy funny. bit. Yeah, yeah. Like they're all just like, "How funny would it be if us two gangs got together and just robbed this train and together. just robbed this train?" And then just the fact that like they got caught and they're like, "Oh, this sucks." And then a few of them were like, "You guys thought you were smart," and then they were so easily being able to escape from prison. Yeah, like I. <laughs> I, I couldn't even imagine, like, I can't even walk to, like, the bus without, like, tripping and falling. How do these people, like, <laughs> They get away with it stuff? all. Also, I wanted to tell you this meme idea I had throughout this entire episode, <laughs> because I just can't stop visualizing it, but do you know the song called Stop This Train by John Mayer? Yes. Okay. So, through this entire episode, I was imagining them robbing the train, right? And then uh -huh. I imagined John Mayer on top of the train, like the guy in Polar Express. Like yes. The, the cup guy. Stop when they're He's, fighting. Yeah. Yeah. So John Mayer's on top of the train with like an old, like, shoveled, like, disheveled Beautiful. guitar. And he's like, stop this train. <laughs> and like, there's just like chaos going on inside. Oh my God. And then, and then when they get the one cart off, like, he's on the other half, just like slowly going behind the rest of it going stop this train this is so visual that's your movie that's your version of this you're you're gonna do the reboot i just need a little john mayer meme <laughs> i think it just be, it reminds me of a weird funny oh tiktok God. that should be a thing so if anyone out there is talented enough yeah <laughs> just go to the polar express movie add some sound effects you can do it <laughs> and just put john mayer on top of the train you could probably do that in some photoshop that honestly would work yeah but a you video We'll figure it out. That should be the uh, Instagram picture for this case. Can you oh, imagine? It's it like please? John Mayer on top of a train. It's like our viewers are like, what is this episode? So I'm going to go, uh, let's stop this train by John Mayer. Oh, my God. But yeah, that's my favorite bit. <laughs> so what, what, are, what are your thoughts? How do you feel? I'm just so impressed. I kind of like want to be friends with these guys. But oh, like kind of me, too, if they weren't like, I guess, criminals. Oh, I, don't, I, don't, well, I don't know. You know. <laughs> Can't live with everyone. Uh, can't live uh, with them. Can't live without them. I, can I can't live without these people. I'm so sad that some of them got I, such high sentences. It makes me sad. I'm just so happy I found such a good 
theft case. This is just right up your alley. Yeah. You know? And it's weird because, like, they were able to name most of the people that were involved in it, but this Mm -hmm. case still is kind of a mystery from the sense of, like, how? Yeah. Why? Like, who, what, when, where, why, and how? How did they think of this? Like, randomly? Like, how Were they just all, like, out to drinks, and they were like, we should rob a train. You know what? We should get little Jimmy from the other gang. (laughs) Big Jimmy. Big Jimmy from the other gang. (laughs) And we should rob a train. And I know the exact train. I love it. I love it. I love the names. I love all of the details that went into every single element. They're smart people. So visual. So fun. They said, here's our college experience. (laughs) I don't know. But I guess the great train robbery of 1963 will remain a mystery. Thank you guys so much for watching. This was a lot of fun. Yes, I'm No Name, and this is, what was your name again? Your gang name? Uh, Buster. Yeah, I'm No Name, and this is Buster, and you just listened to the Mystery Files. Have a great night, folks. We'll see you guys next week for Tiffany's case. Yes, uh, No Name's case. Oh, No Name's case, my bad. Wow, forgot my name already. You're going to give me up to the cops. (laughs) Wee-oo, wee-oo. Okay. (laughs) All right, bye, guys. Bye.